0: Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, here's a question for you. Should we cease our dependency on recruiting health and care staff from overseas? The question's all over today's media. Well, we welcome colleagues from well over 100 countries and actively encourage clinicians from overseas to boost our numbers and enrich our workforce. About 14% of the NHS workforce comes from outside the UK. It doesn't sound a lot, but that's around 170,000 people. In London, 36% of the workforce was not born here. However, Health Education England is presently trying to attract 15,000 global learners to come here. As far as I can see, they've only managed 1,600. Brexit has also had a huge impact. 22,000 have left the NHS and are unlikely to return. In a world where health systems have been racked by COVID, is it ethical to continue to lure clinicians here when the needs on their home doorstep are so pressing? No one wants to stop the global mobility of health workers, but it is sensible to ask, can we be more self-sufficient in our healthcare workforce needs? The Health Service Journal reported... Most of the planned growth in nursing numbers during 2021 was coming from overseas. The government has now written off the first year of the plan and a senior source closely involved with the NHS workforce planning confirmed conversations about the 50,000 target, that's to recruit 50,000 nurses, were ongoing in the knowledge that international recruitment will be difficult. Dido Harding, Baroness Harding, hoping to replace Simon Stevens as NHS boss, is all over the papers and reported as thinking we should try and reduce our dependency. Put other front running candidates in the same spotlight, and they'd surely agree. Dr. Mark Bricknell has written a book warning about the global healthcare workforce mess. He knows what we should do, and it's probably more of our growing our own. Sir Jim Mackey. Uh, trust boss, will have learned from his time as the leader of NHSI, workforce is imploding. Helping ourselves will be on his agenda. Simon Stevens' deputy, Amanda Pritchard, of all of them, will know this is something we have to try. Can we? It'd be good to probably understand the size of the task. How many vacancies do we have? We're short of 40,000 nurses. Well, that's a familiar trope, but is it correct? Well before COVID, the RCN did a round-robin of trusts asking them how many vacancies they had. Now, only 47% replied and somehow the figure of 40,000 vacancies was conjured. Is it accurate? Dunno. The NHS estimates vacancies by the number of job adverts, but one advert for a nurse might disguise the fact that a trust has 20 gaps to fill. We do know... In 2020, the NHS spent £6.2 on agency and bank staff, which is bonkers. Is there any reason to believe we could sort this mess out? Well, here's the good news for today. In 2019, there were 54,225 applications to become a nurse. Here's the bad news. We only accepted 30,390. 25,000 people turned away... Were they all stupid? Criminals? Unemployable? I don't believe 25,000 people inspired to join the world's leading healthcare brand can't be found a job, training or a career to help ameliorate the nearly 100,000 vacancies we know we have, never mind the ones we've no way of counting. I'd figure out some way of getting accurate workforce numbers on a daily basis. I can't think the candidates for Stephen's job would disagree. There are plenty of solutions to explore. Between uh, 2004 and 2014, 2014, the US managed to turn a prospective gap of almost almost 1 million registered nurses by 2020 to a projected surplus of 340,000 homegrown registered nurses by 2025, mainly through financial incentives. The Nuffield Trust tells us a support workforce, large and highly flexible. Short training times mean that numbers can be expanded relatively rapidly. There's good evidence that support workers can provide quality patient-focused care as well as reduce the workload of more highly qualified staff. Investment in support workers could provide a cost-effective and rapid solution. Support roles also widen participation by providing a route for those who do not have academic qualifications to become professionally qualified. And there are probably 25,000 of them we've turned our backs on. Regional workforce planning arrangements before Lansley invented the health education it would be extravaganza or whatever it's called meant better planning assumptions were made nearer the problems. The pinch point is funding training placements. It's HMG's way of turning the taps, controlling numbers, and thereby wage cost inflation further down the line. Train nurses on degree courses whilst earning and working on the wards, with standardised distance learning run by the Open University. Well, why not? Experience and learning side by side make for safer care. As students progress into their course, get more experience and become senior students, we could taper off the requirements that they're always supernumerary, the biggest disincentive for employers. For some weird reason, 7 in 10 NHS apprenticeships are going to existing staff instead of recruiting new workers. However averse to change the establishment might be, the sad truth is there's nothing we're doing now that will solve the problem for the future. In his book, Britnell warns there's a global shortfall of 18 million health workers. Becoming more self-reliant isn't just an idea to waft across an interview panel. It's a sensible defence to the whirlwind of problems neglected workforce planning will dump on us. Thanks for listening, and I hope to be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye now.